Hello, everyone, and welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of Chai with Fry. To all of the returning listeners and to all of the new listeners, I hope you're having a swell day, a swell evening, a swell night, just a swell time. <laughs> Chai with Rai is a show I like to call my digital jukebox of hidden gems in which I reach out to working creatives in the entertainment and fitness industry. In the episodes, we discuss all things from life lessons to politics to socialism, culture, history, digital space, and of course, the industry itself. Now, just a little backstory of the show. Chai with Rai is a pre-recorded live show which I transfer to podcast. So to watch any of the videos of the show, simply go to YouTube and just type in Chai with Rai to find the relevant episode. You can also find the information on the episode itself or the guest in the bio or the description of the podcast. Don't forget to subscribe, comment and share the podcast. Your support really helps the show and the message of it grow. Also make sure to follow the amazing people that are on the show and give them some love. But without further ado, let's get into today's episode. Today's guest is Daniel O'Meara. Now I met Daniel through the Actors Crypt, which is a training space if you will, but for me it's an actors gym to basically train your craft. And I got to know Daniel more through our deep chats on the industry. You guys know how much I love that. I remember going through this really really horrible phase last year and I'm still kind of in and out of it where I just didn't know how to function in my personal and professional life and mainly how I didn't know how to function in the industry with all of the things that I wanted to do for the person I am and the work that I've done and he was super gracious with his time and giving me some great tips on how to basically survive which I don't know if you're listening to this and if you work in the industry sometimes you know how you just want to meet people for a cuppa and just chat and sometimes people will just like brush you off or be like oh this is my mentoring fee this is how much I charge and I just want to connect on a human level or just literally just meet people because i love meeting people and i will say i'm fortunate and privileged enough to have met some great people who are at a amazing point in their life and have been like yeah let's meet let's let's just chat it's so cool to do that oh let me connect you with this person oh you haven't got an agent okay i was approached by this co-op i didn't do anything but let me hook you up and i just think that those things are rare to find so i'm really grateful for that and daniel was one of the people who gave me some great words of wisdom on just to be and connected me with some great people but enough about that <laughs> and let's rave about our guest now daniel is not only a coach a mentor a director but is also an actor and his credits includes films such as Hair Lies with Christian McKee, award-winning film Under the Skin with Samantha Morton, Deadly Famous with Eric Roberts, Iron Clark starring Brian Cox. Can we just take a minute to say that Brian Cox, Jason Fleming and Paul Giamatti to name a few people in that film. I'd say go check it out and go check out Daniel's IMDb. Now Daniel is truly a mesmerizing 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 actor to watch and a great director to be around. He focuses his 40 years of industry experience in working with the next generation through Actors Script which I mentioned before. Now I'm just going to read you the official statement on the website. Actors Script are drop-in workshops designed to develop challenge and inspire actors. 
These classes will improve an actor to fulfill their potential, to be fighting fit for auditions and be confident in a range of roles, to be the best they can be. Pierce Global 2, I didn't know if I mentioned that. I did it over Zoom last year. Daniel still does Zoom and I met international students. So I met people from like Saudi, from India, from Greece, from Spain. So he still does that. And he also does um, his in-person workshops and classes let's just say that and mentoring work in London so wherever you are I would heavily advise you to give Daniel a shout and I'll list everything in the bio so you'll be able to find his information there but without further ado get your cuppers ready as we dive into this juicy episode as we talk all things industry acting methodologies the business of it all where the industry is going with this weird space that we're at in terms of the digital world of it all and Daniel's achievements. I hope you guys enjoy and let's dive into today's episode. I just finished watching Ironclad. Did you really eat a cockroach? No. Well, it was a kind of plant, I don't know, some sort of, um, they made it into some sort of edible thing, but it wasn't a cockroach. Or was it? I can't remember. It was a long time back. If I was, I I probably, it may well have been, it may may well have eaten ahead of it. Yeah. Something. That yeah. that entire movie is, by the way, very nice. But I I was like the gruesome details of this. This my favorite scene in that will be this guy who chops off somebody's arm and then they're fighting and somebody grabs the arm and literally is beating the other person to death. It, it's a really good movie. I liked it. Um, and we're gonna go down memory lane. And my first question I'm going to ask you is, what is your earliest memory of acknowledging the medium that is acting? And secondly. What is your earliest memory of when you decided to go acting as a career? Yeah, interesting. Well, that's pretty easy. First, the first question is very easy. Um, I played Fagin when I was about eight years old at primary school. And, you know, I, I, I tested positive. I was hooked. I realized this is very me. I really enjoyed it. It was probably the best performance I've ever given. Everything's yeah. gone downhill since. Um, that's awesome. <laughs> but... Um, no, I loved it. I, I absolutely loved it. And um, I thought, you know, this is it. This is, this is me. But I didn't get back into it for years later because the school I went to afterwards had no creative outlet at all. It was, um, it was a boarding school for boys only that was mostly for one-parent families and problem kids. And um, oh, wow. so I was a problem kid, but I went there and there was no... There was no, there was no creativity. There was no plays. There was no outlets. So I kind of drifted for a bit. And it wasn't until my. Um, so I'm going to answer both questions. It wasn't until sort of early twenties did I sort of get back in there and realise, you know, this is me. You know, this is me. When you say you were, uh, you might have not been a naughty kid. What, what sort of kid were you growing up then? I'm intrigued to know now. Well, when I was when I was a young boy, I was a pretty pretty. Um, pretty serious i mean i was i was i was full of hope and joy i went to a really good primary school this really good sort of um it was a left-wing sort of very very warm it 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 was it was a terrific school and Mm -hmm. um and then i went into this other school that was the polar opposite i mean not to say it didn't have any good sides to it i mean it certainly toughened you up but it was a lot of bullying it was it was boys only it was very brutal and um yeah, there was there was a lot of damaged boys in there. So we, you're talking about it was tough. You had to adapt. Yeah. If you if you had to go back, would you have gone to a co-ed school? You you rather enjoyed the experience of now if you look back at it. 
If I if I was to go back again, I wouldn't go back to that school. I mean, no. I have, I mean, I think there's definitely some. Pro I, I take some pluses and positives from it. I have no regrets, but I certainly, if you were to go back in time, I would not go there. No, I would have gone somewhere else. To a co-ed school or still a boys? Probably a co school? probably a co-ed school. Absolutely a co-ed school, yes. and and something certainly with more creativity. I mean, I I was actually going to go to Italia Conti when I was, really? but I, I didn't want to do the tap dancing and ballet at that time. And I was too into football and I was into, into the sports. So I kind of um, threw it past that on, but I, I was very close to going there. And, um, but yeah, I would, definitely put, I would definitely have gone to a co-ed school, something a bit more creative, something a bit more, um, yeah, where you could, you, could, you could have more of a creative outlet for sure. I'm intrigued to know, what was your first acting job and how do you think your your process to it or your outlook from your first acting job to your recent acting job has changed? Well, you know, the first acting job I got was I was lucky. When I came out of drama school, I got Under the Skin, which um, was a film with Samantha Morton, Stuart Townsend, Rita Tushingham. I mean, it was a, an award-winning film that, that did very well. So I was They've lucky. They've done a remake of it, haven't they, with Scarlett Johansson, I think. Yeah, it was completely different, though. Maybe, maybe, oh, they, yeah. used, maybe they used some sort of... I never saw it, actually. I think Jonathan, Jonathan Glazer, who, who directed that, who did um, mm -hmm. Sexy Beast. Um, no, Under the Skin was... Um, there may have been some similarities, definitely some similarities. It was, um, it was a great film, and it did me a lot of favours. I mean, it, 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 got me, it got me work. It got mm -hmm. me into a lot of good European, interesting, arty films, those kind of Lars von Trier-type films. So I got into a lot of that, and... Um, through that film because it did very well in Europe. And um, it also got me a good agent in the States. They wanted me over there because it, 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 it had quite a bit of kudos. But yeah, I mean, it was, it was a kind of an edgy, arty kind of film. And um, it was Samantha Morton's first, she'd done Band of Gold, so it was her big, first big feature, I think. And um, mm -hmm. she just flew after that. So um, it was a great experience. I mean, all the boys were just cameos in it, really. We were just siphons in the, in, in, in the film. You know, it was all about her, really. So she drove it all the way through. But it was, um, you know, I went in there. I felt really comfortable, actually, because I'd been sort of doing workshops. I'd done drama school. I'd been, I was intense. I was obsessive. So by the time I got onto set, I was ready. I thought I was ready. For that particular mm -hmm. role, I was ready. So I wasn't really that nervous, actually. Um, I came in there and working with her, it was great. And I just, um, yeah, Barry Ackroyd, you know, Ken, Ken Loach's... Um, mm -hmm. Uh, DOP. So it was a really creative, interesting thing. I mean, I, I mean, listen, I, w I was, I used to party hard at that time. And the night before I, I was on it, you know, I, I, I came on set pretty much. That's, but it kind of did get in the way to work, actually. You know, when I was young, you know, for that kind yeah. of work. Um, certainly not now. But um, so, yeah, it, it, it was, I came in there and just enjoyed it. Just very much enjoyed it. And that versus the recent job that you have done, like, do you think you, your confidence has amplified a little bit or it's, it's, it, it always has been the same and your process to it still has been? Or have you ever been nervous or not really? Yeah, of course, of course. I mean, I mean, confidence goes up and down. I mean, confidence goes up and down. And it's, it's, it, I think the more you're working and the more you're doing it, you tend to be more confident and more relaxed and everything. But still, confidence can dip. But yeah, I generally been pretty uh, not overly nervous on a film set more on stage funny enough more on stage, really more apprehensive because because that whole having to put tell a story for two hours three hours i'd get stage fright 
there would definitely be moments when I've dried and that would play on my head. Oh, really? So, you know, I've dried for maybe a minute once and that oh. was a freak up. So I was sort of walking around pretending I was playing with the props until the lines came back. But so I think, you know, the, the film experiences generally have been more, I, I haven't felt totally nervous. It's because of the preparation. If I'm prepared hard, you know, if I train hard, mm -hmm. prepare hard and really put the work in, by the time I get on set, I've, I've left no stone unturned. I feel comfortable. I feel like I'm not going to act. I'm just going to be and go in there and just enjoy. But if I haven't put the work in, then I'm going to be in trouble. Got it. And then I could be nervous. So I think it's about the work I put in. But yeah, there's been moments I've been nervous. There's been a few days where I've just, opening days where I'm just a little bit, okay, let's see how this panders out. I think that's normal. But no, generally not. Generally, yeah. um, so far, not. When was the last time you've been nervous? When was, do you, that you can remember? Well, I mean, if you're talking about a film set, I think the first day of Here Lies, funny enough, with, um, oh, really? it, it, which wasn't a short, it was a feature, but it was, um, I'd done a lot of work on it. I was very prepared for that. And I think because it was the first day and you had John Mattison, it wasn't because he was doing it. He was the DOP who did Gladiator, but it wasn't about him. It's just, I, I, it was just, there was an edge to it. You know, first mm -hmm. day and I, I, was, I, I was full of it, full of edge. And I kind of, I was a little stifled on that first day. I was, there was a little panic going on. So, but after the first day, it was fine. Completely relaxed into it. Because I put the work into that. Got it. So, um, I think it's when you sort of leave a few corners cut, the confidence goes, that's when you become self-conscious, a bit nervous. But it also depends about the people who are around you. If you're working with a director who puts you on edge, I mean, that's another thing. If you've got a director that's really insecure, right, and the people around you are really insecure, and you're not feeling solid, mm -hmm. that's going to that's sort of trigger and bounce off the rest of the people. That's what I've noticed. But I've been fortunate that generally the sets have been pretty calm of length. Mm -hmm. And the thing is, if you're, if you're leading the film or you're coming in sort of one of those guys, you've got to sort of set that. If you're prepared, you can relax the set. They go, yeah, the guy's okay, boom. If you're not, then you're going to... And if the director's not sort of feeling confident, he's going to bring out his insecure, insecurities. So, um, yeah, I mean, I've heard horror stories. I mean, there's, there's, there's been horror stories. I've been on sets where there's been screaming and shouting. I mean, pretty much... Uh, yeah. It's really because there's a lot of money involved on some of the films and mm -hmm. there's, there's pressure. But personally, you know, I haven't been involved in the drama myself. When I was younger, when I was a younger actor, I was more combustible. There I'd throw a few things around maybe and I could, I could, I could be a handful because I was, I was young and out of my mind. I was, I was crazy, you know, when I was in my early 20s. Yeah. Certainly, I certainly could be a bit difficult. I mean, I was certainly difficult um, because I wasn't comfortable in my own skin. And so I was edgy about things. And so that kind of insecure, whatever's going on, you, 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 you project it out there. But so because I feel a lot more comfortable over the last 15, 16, no, 20 years, 19, 20 years, I feel much more comfortable on set and about being of service as well. It's not just about me, you know, it's about being a cog in the wheel and being of service mm. to everybody. You see, that's the trouble. It was all about me when I was young. And that's when you see those actors that cause a lot of problems. It's, it's all about, it becomes all about them. It's a process and some people don't get over it. Some people who actually get worse. They, they, over the years, they become even more brittle, more feared up, more scared and more, more temperamental, more combustive. It depends on where you're at. Where you're at. But I, 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 I say to, uh, the more comfortable in your own skin, I think is, will help, but a lot of actors aren't comfortable in their own skin. That's why they're acting. And then that's also a good thing.
because you need to, you're, you're basically wanting to sort of feed something else. And it is, uh, look at me, look at me, look at me, please look at me, look at me some more, you know? Um, so it, it, it lends itself to a self-obsession and a, and a, and a self-centeredness. But, mm -hmm. I mean, th there are tools. I think the tools are, um, meditation works really well. That gets you out. I do tell that to, to the guys I, I work with. I say, you know, get into the meditation. You've got to be careful with that because it can make you maybe a little bit too calm at times. Mm -hmm. And you want to keep those, keep that edge. But it, it, it really gets you out of the self-centeredness. The self-consciousness, which is a killer for an actor. I know that for myself. It just basically relaxes you. We don't really give a fuck as much about what people think as much. You do a bit, mm -hmm. but it's not amped up you know, which is a killer where you really are overly sensitive about what people think. So you're just giving your power away completely. And it shows, and that's where you become combustible. How is your mindset today compared to when you got into the industry? And do you ever look at the vast amount of movies that you've done and the career that you've lived or do you still have that hunger that you used to when you started on this industry and wanting to work or you're much more calm or did you never have that hunger and you just wanted to do the craft and just wanting to work? So I'm, int I'm intrigued to know that perspective from you. Yeah, I mean, I was very hungry. As a young actor, I was, I was ravenous. I was voracious. I was, I was completely fucking single-minded in that sense. Um, you know, I, I mean, despite the distractions, you know, I, I don't, didn't help myself, but I certainly wanted it badly. You know, I was hungry. It, it was a calling, but um, I'm not as hungry anymore for, for being in front of the camera. I still love, I still test positive and love to work, you know, uh, but I took three years off. I mean, I took three years off when I started getting into the actor's crib because I enjoyed directing and working with, you know, I was enjoying that process and I needed to put the time on. So I took sort of three years off. I kind of took my, myself away from it and now I'm sort of back in. But I don't have, I still enjoy, of course, there's still a, 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 a wanting to, you know, to, to, to do good work if it, when it comes, you know, but um, I'm not obsessed in that way anymore of like that drive to be in front of the camera and do is, is not, I don't have that urgency that I had when I was a young guy in my 20s and 30s, you know. Mm -hmm. Do you think that's duly because you've had, like I said, over 40 plus movies and certain things like that, or it's simply at the space that you are through life experience? Yeah, it's, it's, it doesn't um, grab me like it used to. You know, my, my, my point of attention is I'm actually enjoying the, the teaching. It, it's, I don't have that kind of, God, I've got to be on a set. Mm -hmm. I need to work. I need to, what's going on here? You know, you know, that thing, what the fuck's he doing? Why is he on there? Why is there, you know, that kind of, which, which a young actor can have a bit of. It's a terrible mm -hmm. thing to be where you're just going, but you do need to be obsessive. I mean, for, to do well in this business, you do need to be single-minded and obsessive. It needs to be an absolute love. And I still have a love for it, but it's not a driving force like it used to be because my interest has gone into the, um, into the actor's crib, into, into helping others. You know, and it helps me. What was the initial pull for you? For me, it's always been, I think, the art of storytelling, telling things that will challenge stereotypes or bring certain things out for me. But what, what is the pull for you? My pull is I just loved it. 
I mean, as I said, it's like the first time I did fake, and it's just, I just felt, I just loved to, 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 to express, go into characters, express, to, 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 to really go into stuff where you, you can just really let it out. You can go in there in that, in that space and really tell a story, you know, mm -hmm. all, all that stuff. Tell a story and, and go into, into great writing and really sort of absorb yourself into that world. I think sometimes I ask dancers this because predominantly I sometimes have dancers, but can you actually look at someone else's piece of work now and not analyze it as an actor or a coach and simply just watch with a blind eye. And also a perspective of which you mentioned before as a young actor, sometimes when you watch certain things, we're like, why, why didn't we get that? Why didn't my agent put me forward for that? Or I could do that. Can you do that? Oh yeah, I can do that now. I don't, I don't look yes. at others with and go, God, I want to be on that fucking show. Or can I swear? Um, yeah, or, yeah, like I said, you can. Or, or um, go, go, why, why, why the fuck's that guy working? He's fucking got a middling talent. He's fucking terrible. He's the son of that guy, right? You know, oh Jesus, we know why he got it, nepotism. You know, never, you know, the usual kind of actor talking, yeah. going that little sort of, I don't have any of that I had, as a younger actor, there was definitely, you need the competitiveness, but then it can veer into the ugliness. But no, I, I, I don't have that, um, I don't have that schadenfreude and I don't have the, um, on other actors working and I don't look at it and go with any kind of envy or kind of wish, oh, wish I had that. Well, I, don't, I don't have that anymore. I can look at it really with open eyes and just not have any angst about it. Not even as an analytical point, because you are a coach and you are a mentor now. Oh, yeah, yeah, I can, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I can watch work and go, that's not, you know, for my, that's not great. Or, you know, I go, yeah, that's good. Mostly I just let it pass, really. You know, I don't, I mean, I, I will prick up when I go, when I see something really special or really mm -hmm. good work, I'll, I'll appreciate it. I'll nod it and go, yeah, that's good work. That's really good work. But I won't, I won't go into too much analyzing, but I am definitely looking and going, yeah, that's good work. Got it. Yeah, they, they put the work in, they've done it, you know? I'm intrigued to know after watching Ironclad and you're talking about hair lies, hair lies um, and there was another, what was it? Oh my God. It's where you kill people. And Deadly Fakes? That's it. And it's about, was it Alan, not Alan Watts? Alan Miller. Alan, Alan Miller. Miller. I wish it was Alan Watts. He's a much Alan more sp oh. spiritual guy. You know, Alan Watts is one of my personal favorites. It goes on a bit. Can I just say, I found similarities between yourself and I. I am a massive fan of Bob Dylan, and I loved that movie where, um, was it five or six actors played? Was it called Rolling Stone or something? Um, why is it gone from my head? Do, have you seen the Bob Dylan movie? I didn't see the Bob Dylan movie, no. To my chagrin. You should. It's, I, I would say it's a very beautifully artistic movie um and then i found a picture of joseph buse who's one of my favorite artists on your instagram i don't know if you remember that or you just posted it um he has this piece at tate which is called lightning struck and it's this beautiful architecture and i always yeah. just go to the tate sit in the corner and sketch i literally just every time i go to the tate i have to visit that sculpture um yeah bliss. I'm pure bliss um, pure bliss i um so i would like to know your experience off and on set for those three movies? Because I feel like they're very different. Okay, that was my best year, as far as creatively and as far as enjoyment. I'm not talking about money. I'm mm -hmm. talking about pure pulling the work in. That, it's interesting you say that. There was, a, there was a year I did Deadly Famous, Here Lies, 
and I did a film called Castles Made in Sa uh, of Sands, right? There mm -hmm. were three very different films, and I got the chance to really put the work in with all those films, like go into character, really, it, it was pure joy. It wasn't about the dough, it wasn't about anything else. I signed off for everything else, anything else potentially that could go in. I just put my head down. I'd go into, I'd go into Cafe Nero or somewhere, and I'd just <laughs> sit down and take my time and just mull over it, walk in parks. Did everything I talk to you guys about. I did everything like that. I, I slowly let it absorb into me. And so you've got three very different characters. I mean, um, yes. you've got what, what, what here lies is, is a is a is a painter sort of loosely based on a kind of Lucian Freud type of Giacometti type character with the muses. And, um, you know, I just put my head down and put the work into that. I mean, I just really started really building that character and really taking my time over it. It was very different. It was very wordy. And then, then Alan Miller was the American role. And on, on the page, it, 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 it read great, you know, and... Um, I auditioned for it in London. It was shooting in LA and mm -hmm. um, I self-taped once and I really got a hand. I thought, this is something I want, like, I, you know, what, something I fancy. He saw, he saw me in something, this, this director. And, um, and I, then I auditioned twice and um, they said, you got it. And first of all, the budget was at a certain level, then the budget kept going down, right? Closer I got to the film. So that was, oh God, you know, so in the end I ended up shooting it in about, 12 days you know i was doing eight scenes a day which is like but i was prepared you see the thing is i could ideally it would have been a longer time with a with a more of a budget because it, it, it but it, it was it was a lot of fun but the role was great i mean you know when you watch it it's um it was more when i read it it was more of an american psycho type character it still had elements of that but it went it in does, the end, yeah. more horror you know, much more into the horror, so they, they sold that angle. But it, to me, it was much more of a psychological thriller. And it was a great role to play. It was a lot of fun to play. So that was an experience where the first day I got to set, um, you know, it, it was all American cast. It, was, it wasn't one of those um, films shot in Europe, which I've done, which yeah. are playing American, but all the actors are <laughs> European and British. Yeah. So the accents go in and out, right? Um, it, 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 it was all Americans. So I was in there with all American guys. So I came in on first date with an Amer American accent because you've got you to calm that crew down because they're looking, they're looking, they're all, they're all, they're, they're seasoned campaigns. They're looking for any, any chink, right? And so you don't want to put any alarm bells on there. So I just you kind of want to tame them on the first day. In fact, the first scene, and then you've got their confidence. They go, right, we're on a film we can believe in maybe, you know, because if you, if you go in and, and it's not cooking, people start to get insecure, you get insecure, and it can all go downhill, as I said earlier. Mm -hmm. But yeah, that year was my most creative year. And funny enough, I stopped about two years afterwards, three years afterwards. In a sense, I took three years off uh, oh, okay. and, and started the teaching. So it was interesting. It was like three years prior, and that was probably my most... Fun year and best year as far as the work goes was that year, was when I did those three films. How are you on an offset? Like when you're offset, are you really focused in terms of character, like really met, really into it and doing the work? Or are you like pranking people, joking around with people? And how are you on set when you get on set? Like do you have a lot of bloopers? Yeah, I'm intrigued to know that. Yeah, no, I'm pretty relaxed now. I mean, I, yeah. I go in, I'm serious. I'll come in there and, um, you know, I've done my work. So I've done all my work. But I th 
once I've done that, I'm pretty, I'm, I'm, I'm relaxed. I'm not snarling around set all the time. Yeah. I don't, I don't, I, I don't like to overly talk too much around the day because you give your energy away. In a mm. sense, it's like if you've got, it, it, okay, listen, if you've got a couple of scenes in a film, right, or TV, that's fine. But if you're kind of doing, if you've got a lead or a second lead, and you're going in. It, it, you need that energy. You need that focus. So it's not as if you're being ready. You just be polite. You do your thing. But, and you have your moments. But you've got to conserve that energy for the work. Um, because before you know it, you, you, you're spreading it around. So you go, and I've seen it. And the guy's not focused. They're going in it. All their energy's gone. Mm-hmm. So, um, but yeah, no, I'm pretty, I, I wear my coat pretty loose. Okay. Uh, I don't go in there, you know, looking in character like a uh, thing. I've got my character. I'm uh, loosely we're having it there. But I'm not... I'm not talking to him because he doesn't like him, you know, on, mm-hmm. on the journey. But I, I, I don't mind guys who work like that. I don't think yeah. it's, I, I, I think it's playtime. So I don't mind a guy who comes in. I, pre, I, I respect that kind of work as well. If they're coming in there, that's the way they operate. It's, it's, I get it. I understand that completely. What would you say is your favorite part of the job? Is it, is it a self-tape? Is it the call that you've got the job? Is it the money? Is it the process itself of like when you get the job, the actual journey of it? Or is it the edit when you actually see the final project? Yeah, easy one. Easy question. Easy. The process. The process. I'm not interested in watching the final products. Maybe once and that's it. I, I have no real interest. Once, I, once I've done the work and I'll know whether I, on set, when I'm doing the process, whether I'm on, on, on the ball or not, whether it's on. So watching the film, I watch it once. I'm not interested after that. Not Do you not watch playbacks? Like when you're actually in there? No. Or it's, it's a connection from you and the director? Yeah, absolutely. I'm never one of those guys who rushes on right. the playback. So there, there, there's an act. I won't mention Funny enough, one of the guys on Ironclad, right? Yeah. <laughs> Every fucking take, he'd be rushing to the playback looking at his work. You know, I, listen, for me, it's about, no, I leave that alone. But you see, with these self-tapes, because you have to be a producer now and you have to watch yourself, yes. now, now you have to look at yourself. So really, you know, you have to get used to that because you have to actually sort of monitor yourself and look at yourself and go, right, that's the best take, blah, blah, blah. But no, I don't rush down to the monitor and check the workout. I just, I kind of know, I can feel it when it's on and if it needs to get tweaked, the director will say something. But I can normally feel it intuitively. Don't need to go and look at a playback. And that's why, you know, these camera acting classes, I mean, I, 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 I can see the benefit of them. And I definitely, I know there's a lot of them. But when I was around, there was none of that stuff. And I just think, you know, you kind of understood if you've got a camera awareness of whether you're doing honest work in front of a camera. But with the self-tapes, you're getting that chance to really play around with the stuff anyway, yes. you, you know. Yeah. I'd like to ask you a question, which is what separates good quality of work from sustainable acting of work? So like let's say doing a commercial versus doing a really gritty project that has sustainable matter in there and advice to anybody who wants to navigate through the industry without going insane and it's consuming you to a part which you've already said that it should consume a little bit and it should be challenging but to a point i think you and i had a zoom meeting where i was just like losing the will <laughs> and i was asking you for so much advice yeah, yeah. I've seen guys lose their minds. I've seen some of the some really talented actors. I can mention. I I know two guys who were as good as anyone I've seen. Yeah, like they they were my age. They were as good as the Jude. They were better. They were better. They were better. 
they were better. They just didn't get an opportunity. And what ends up happening with those guys, one of them ends up on the bottle and on the drugs. And that's it. You know, he capsized because there's no structure in this business. So you've got to basically find a structure to answer the question. You've got to have a good routine. You've got to have some stuff going on. You've got to look at, okay, what is my routine? So you get up in the morning, you've got a nice routine. So you've got structure because you can just drift and then you can get angry and then you can get frustrated because if you don't have a purpose, if you're not going into um, and you're just waiting for the phone to ring, which is what, especially what it was back in the day, that type of thing. You, you, I've seen guys lose their yeah. minds. I've seen them lose their minds, become alcoholics, drug addicts, and just confidence go and they're, and they're gone. I've seen many talented actors lost because, and they get into self-pity. They didn't get the opportunities. They, they were talented, but they didn't get, but it, you've got to find that as open. Those opportunities will come. You just got to have a good mindset. So when's that happening is they get more negative. It's tough. It's an oversaturated business. It doesn't matter what era you're talking about, whether it was the nineties and 20, now it's always going to be oversaturated yeah. because everyone wants to get into it. So you've just got to be doing other, you've got to be doing things for your mind. You've got to be just doing stuff again, keeping busy and doing things that work for you. Everyone operates differently. You know, some people, whatever it is, you need to find what really stimulates you and moves forward. So, because if you're just waiting for that job or waiting for that phone to ring, you become very one dimensional and you become, you can become very bitter and very angry, especially if it doesn't start coming away. You've got to look at other interests and, that, and be creative. I'm always intrigued to ask you this question and I've asked you this one before, which is the building blocks of an actor and there's terrific programs out there, such as yourself, you're doing Actors Crib and there's practitioner work in there. Do you think in order for there to be a foundation for any good actor, you need to either do the following two things or just go into the industry and build on experience? One is, do you need to go and learn such as Alexander, Meisner, Stanislavski and so many other, or do you know to, to go to an acclaimed credit school like Lambda, RADA, Central, so many other schools? Because I think now it's, it's, it's really, an interesting space there are so many courses which are agency led which are you know you do a two-year course with us and then you might get picked up or yeah. you do screen acting courses and things like that so what would your advice be on that or what would your take be on that well you know it's interesting i, I think i think there's no rules i've seen actors like samantha Morton didn't do drama school she did workshops um, there, there's a number of very good actors who didn't, but of course, when you go to a RADA or you go to one of the big drama schools, if you get your head down and you're and you and you put and, and they like you and you put the work in, you do have that audience of the best agents and casting directors. So you get the kind of red carpet. Not all, not all. It's only there's a few, but you definitely get those opportunities. But that is not a given for success. I know many people who've been to RADA who've not had a career not had a great career so it doesn't always work but if you are fated you've put the work in it does give you the opportunity but you don't need to do that to get a good you, you i think to be a, i mean to be a a, 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 a really good answer that is you need to put the work in so you need to find ways you need to have a you need to be reading plays all the time you need to be doing workshops not just the miser you need to be doing all these workshops you need to be doing uh, voice you need to be doing movements you need to be in your body. Some of these actors are just working from the neck up. I've seen them, especially just ones who just on camera yeah. workshops. They're, they're not in their bodies. They've got, they're like this. 
and, 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 and most the really special actors have tended to come from the stage generally. Mm -hmm. There are exceptions. There are do, some who do tap dancing like you did back in the day. Yeah, no, listen, the dance is great. Any, any <laughs> yeah. kind of performing is great. I mean, it's, 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 you want to be doing everything. Voice, movement, Alexander technique, you know, a little bit of this, a little bit of that. You, there is no rules. You find what works for you. You don't need to just do one, one style of, of technique. I, I, I don't believe in that. You take a bit what works for you. Everybody is different. Everybody, but you need to put the work in. You need to keep putting the work in. I mean, most actors are lazy. And I used to be as well, really, in some senses, it's despite the obsessiveness, but it's, it's about putting that work in. You've got to, when you're looking at a, a dancer mm -hmm. or, a, or a, a pianist, they put five, six, seven hours a day in. Actors don't do that generally. They go for a coffee and moan or have a little talk. <laughs> Or watch Netflix, right? You can learn from Netflix. You, you, you've got to put the work in. And you can see the difference with the guys who put the work in. I mean, you, you, you look at those guys who, are who really are outstanding, like those Rylances, Gary Oldman. I mean, Gary Oldman, for example, mm. drama school, right? You know, I know a couple of guys who went to drama school with him. He says they all went down the pub and were drinking. He'd go back and be working. He'd have one wow. drink and back working. His work ethic is off the charts, but all of them are. The really, really good ones, their work ethic is off the charts because that's where you learn, you just by doing it. Where, where you do it, I don't think you've, you've got to find where your home is. You go, yeah, I'm liking this guy, I like this guy. No, not keen on this guy, you know, and find this, and, and I need to do a bit of this on my voice. This is an Achilles heel, I'm not in my body, I need to work on that. But you need to keep working on scripts, you need to be looking at playwrights, you need to be looking at writers, you need to be reading the classics, you need to be reading. So many people don't read anymore. They don't read, right? Reading, you'll get your imagination working yeah. by going into a Bowsett novel, going into a modern novel, and putting yourself in the center of the novel. So you go to art galleries, like you said, that's pure bliss. You go into the national and you look at those paintings, you start putting yourself into those pictures. You've got to use that imagination. You've got to be learning scripts all the time. Really, there's, you've got to just be doing it all the time. Right, different facets, not necessarily just pure edit, just everything that's gonna make you a better human being is gonna make you more interesting. So you build that soul up. So it's not just about learning the lines, it's about growing. I think what you're saying is really resonating. When I went to performing arts school, my, one of my head of drama used to say, you need to really eat, breathe, shit this industry 24 seven. And I think that's, that's the question that I asked before, because sometimes the industry can consume you because you're putting in all the work and you're doing it and then you're not getting everything or anything back, you're not getting anything. What is the give? And that goes into my question, which I'm going to ask next, which is the current generation of what acting is today. We have the digital space and its impact, which is in a way when it's it's similar to how stars would get hired on West End or you have a name attached to a project that brings in profit revenue. But in today's age, how there's so much of a push on, I won't say my agent, but a push on. One of my agents was like, you need to go on TikTok. You need to grow your following on Instagram. You need to do this. And there's a lot of cross situations happening, which is a lot of dancers are now becoming actors and who used to belittle acting when they were studying it. And there are a lot of influencers or YouTubers who would just do parody work or comedy work and now are getting big featured roles in a lot of productions in Netflix yeah. and things like that. What would your take be on a space such as that? 
I just think things evolve. I think things evolve. I mean, you know, I don't want to put a judgment on it and say what's wrong and right, because I think things move on. It's so easy to go in, oh, it wasn't like that. I mean, if you're talking in the, in the, in the 30s, it was the studio system. And then they moaned when the studio system went down because you got all those New York, you know, it changed. And now the industry changes. But to be a really, if you're talking about being a, a, a special actor, not just a working one that's a personality actor that's going in and just nicking roles and getting up, being a personality on a kind of playing themselves. You want to be a Meryl Streep or you want to be a, a Gary Oldman or you want to be one of these really special guys, the Joaquin Phoenix type guys. You want to be, they're, they, they put the work in. They work, mm -hmm. they, they read, they, 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 they're on it. And, um, you know, that's, there's no shortcuts. There's no shortcuts. I mean, you just have to look, ask the guys who really, if you get a chance, if you're around those guys, I mean, look at someone like Brian Cox, who was on Ironclad. He's a yeah. really special actor. I mean, his range is colossal, but he's a lovely guy. But, you know, he, he was at a time when what actors did, he went to drama school, then he went to Birmingham rep, then he did all the rep stuff all around the country. You learn your trade. You learn from those older actors. So he's getting to do different roles all the time, every week, two, three in tandem. So how can you not become a better actor? And so he's just all the time get working in this kind of system. So whatever way you work it, You've got to just put the work in. Now, listen, of course, this Instagram, TikTok, I mean, if it can get you work, it can get you work. I'm, I'm you know, um, you know I, I, I'm not so versed, as you saw with the Instagram thing. I mean, I, you saw how I was fiddling around with that. I mean, so I'm not the guy to, but I get why, you know, producers are interested in somebody who's got 10 million followers because they're going to bring that into the audience. So they're just thinking about money. But the serious directors, well, I, I mean, I shouldn't say serious because that sounds patronized, but, but, but the really, the ones who, do, they'll, they'll be interested in the, um, the guys who can do the work. You know, they, they're going to look at the guys and go, that's the guy I want. They're going to have seen him go, he's special. Want that. If you're just basically um, just playing a version of yourself, you can kind of do it okay in a one-dimensional way. Mm -hmm. But that doesn't mean you can't transition. But if you're going to transition, you need to put the work in. You're going to have to really put the work in. I see the difference because now I'm, I'm, I'm teaching, right? I'm in, in groups. I see those guys who, 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 I see the difference with the guys who work, who come in all the time. I see the difference. I see the difference between those guys who've been to the drama center who come into my groups. And I get the occasional work. To the guys who've just done maybe one or two workshops or, yeah. or, or done a camera working um, thing, just done a little bit. You, you see the difference. It's, it's clear to see. You know, um, there's no shortcuts. It's very obvious for me. I'm intrigued to know if you were an up and coming actor in your 20s in today's age, what would your path be? I think if I had my head on now, the head now with a, with a, with a Dan who is in his 20s and, and, and did a time sort of travel, I would be much more, much more focused. Not just, I was obsessive, but it was, it was destructive. You know, I was, I was, I had no check on some of my appetites. So, mm -hmm. so I would be much more focused and my, and also much more, my attitude was pretty bad. I had a bad attitude. I was quite toxic in many ways. I'll be, I'll own up to that. So I brought a lot of my damage into the thing and it, it now would bringing that goodwill and hopefully love and being of service and just knowing what you need to do. I, I, yeah, I would bring that into it.
and I would work hard. I'd be going and going, I want to work with him, him, him. Boom, boom, I'd be on it. Let's talk about Actors Crib now. What in, which you created in 2016, what inclined you to kind of take that route after three years of taking a break? And how do you think it's progressed from 2016 versus now? Well, it's definitely progressed. I mean, it started really very organically. I mean, I, I started off um, directing a few actors um, mm -hmm. in the Troubadour, which is where I live, where I've always been living around Earl's Court. You know, it's where mm -hmm. Bob Dylan actually used to come <laughs> regularly. They, it, it, back in the day when Earl's Court was bohemian and interesting, it could become really sanitized now. But Foxton's across the road. I mean, they've still got the trouble and that's it. But no, I, I started directing some actors. I started directing a Sam Shepard piece. Then I started directing um, a, 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 a Pinter piece. Then I started going into these. And then these actors started coming in, right? Just And I said, oh, I've got a little space. And they started coming. I really didn't think about setting up an actor's crib. I, I thought I'd just do a bit of directing. I'm enjoying this helping people, then people coming in me for auditions or little spaces, I started to enjoy that. And then I started creating the workshop. I thought, okay, let's do this on a Wednesday night. And I started no, pub no, no publicity, I had no sort of plan, no master plan of creating some of classes and stuff. And um, it just, you know, if, 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 yeah, it started really organically and it started building. You know, and I really, really was enjoying it. I was, and then I ended up doing two workshops a week and I ended up doing three workshops a week. And I started doing a few courses and I keep the cl classes really small. I keep them 10 and under, you know, it's always been that way. And um, because I, I want to be hands-on and work with guys, but I just like to see the light bulb moment, you know, and um, I did the tabernacle. So yeah, it, it kind of grew organically really. And then I, as I said, I decided to take three years off. My interest wasn't really in the acting. I mean, I, I turned a few things down. I thought, no, you know, I'm just on this. I needed to just put my focus on this, where, where my enjoyment was. Where does the name come from? I just made it up. I just like the <laughs> title. I just thought, fuck it, I like it. I just went, okay, boom, you know. That's it. Yeah, yeah. Where would you say your, your voice as an actor versus a coach or a mentor and a teacher sit now? And also, what's the difference for you between a mentor, a teacher, and a coach. That's the same. It's the, same. the same, it's same. It's basically being of service. It's basically mm -hmm. looking to go in there and, and help, help, and helping you helps me. You know, um, it's, it's, yeah, it's building, it's looking at what needs to be worked on. You know, what's, what's, um, what, what, maybe what are the weak sides there? If somebody was coming one, one, what, what needs to be pushed? What needs to be worked on? And, and talk about what, what the philosophy is, not just about the acting, about what's, to be a better actor, you need all the other stuff we were talking about. You know, you need yeah. to be reading and doing all that other stuff. I think it's all very linked. All of it's very linked. It's the same deal, you know? Got it. And what would you say your voice is as a coach, teacher, and a mentor? Like, what would you say sort of aesthetically, not aesthetically, but a style? I don't have, I don't, I don't use one technique. So I'm not a Meisner teacher. I'm not a Stanislavski. I'm not a Strasbourg. I use all of those. I, I've trained in all those. I trained in the Meisner way before it became popular here. See, now every drama school does it in London. But when I did, no one was doing it. I, I was doing it with Jack Walter, who was a, he's an old boy that was basically worked with Sandy, right? So he was like hands on right there, you know, mm -hmm. and um, 
So I was doing this before I even went to drama school. So I kind wow. of, you know, that was that in the Strasbourg was my first kind of introduction. And then I, but yeah, I don't have one style. I don't believe in one style. I think more of a holistic sort of approach. I think you learn from nature. It's mm -hmm. all out there. This is the playground. And then you come in and bring it in and you, 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 and you play. Mm -hmm. play. I think, you know, whenever I've seen an actor who says, I'm just a Meisner actor, or I'm just a Strat, just one, they're not, mm, it's not great. It's not great. They've got something, they need to be picking up from everywhere. You know, to, it becomes cultish. There is no one style. You can get something from all of them. I'm intrigued to know, um, always <laughs> as people who are in the arts, whether they have or have not had a lack or they've had support. Um, so I would be intrigued to know in terms of, if you don't mind me asking, did you have support when you were growing up or when you were in your 20s from your family, from your friends? And is, are most of your friends in the industry or around the industry? Um, so yeah. Um, when you say support, do you mean financial support? Yeah, I think to an aspect, I do mean financial support as well as just mental and emotional support where they're like, yeah, go ahead. Oh my God, that'll be great. You know, okay, sure. We'll come watch your play. Yeah, that'll be good. Yeah, I, I, I got no negativity from, you know, my, I, I basically was allowed, to, I was pretty feral as well. So I was allowed to do yeah. what I wanted to do. Um, I was pretty strong minded on that one. So yeah, I, I got a lot of support because I, yeah, I didn't get any negatives. You need to be a doctor or you need to be this or you need to go and be a lawyer. I didn't get that family pressure that way. And I always was able to make some dough. Um, so, you know, I was able to sort of support myself. And I say, when I came out of drama school, I, I, I started working straight away. I was lucky. I did Under the Skin and I was working all over Europe and I was managing to make a living. And, you know, until it dried up um, for a bit. And... Um, no, but I've always kind of made a been able to support myself with the acting. Even when I went to the States, I kind of got in there and was working over there, you know? So I think in knowing that, and the question I always like to ask is, if you were to take away your faith, your grit, your confidence of who you are and the support that you have had and put you in an instance where there's not a lot of support from the people around you, and you're possibly on booking that many jobs and you have low self-confidence, would you still be doing what you're doing today? Yeah. Yeah, yeah? I would be because I tested positive. You know, what do it, you mean by that? By the way? You said that now a couple of times. No, it, it means, it means it's, 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 a, it's a drive. There, it, it, there was nothing else I wanted to do or could Got do. That I, there was nothing else that could, I could have done things, but there was nothing that grabbed me. It was like, this is it. Mm. You know, it's, it's, I was hooked. I mean, you know, but yeah, I mean, I do know guys when there's no work, they just can't do it. It's just too much. They just drift off. And, um, but yeah, no, it, it just was always there for me. I, I, maybe, maybe if I didn't get any, if I hadn't worked for a few years, maybe, maybe, yeah. maybe, maybe that would be the case. I can't answer that one, but I still think I would have been in there because I'm a stubborn bastard. I would have been in there right to the bitter end, really. Um, I, I don't know. I don't know. It's a, it's a tricky one. I mean, you want, you want to be, you want to be doing things and working. So if you're not working and it's just not happening, for a number of years, then maybe you have to look at yourself and go, okay, I need to, I need to be, make a mark somewhere. I need to be, because it will make you miserable if you're not working mm -hmm. or doing something or, or being a 
being useful. That's the word I want to use. Have you ever had a point where you walked away from a brief period from every aspect of this industry, or you've always been somewhat involved in everything? Because even in that three-year break, you were directing and you were training yeah. and you were doing bits and bobs. So have you ever had that phase of like, no, I'm going to go work at the local Tesco's or go in marketing or go in the corporate sector? No, no. Once I, yep. once I, once I got in, I mean, I mean, I let, when I left school, I, as I say, I, I, you know, I, I was been. a door-to-door salesman for when I was 15 around Europe. So oh, I, didn't go, I, I was I was selling I was selling cleaning products door to door. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah. When I was about fifteen, I left school. I left school early. You see, I was lost. I didn't know really what I wanted to do. I had a great fun doing. I was working all yeah. over Amsterdam, the red light, all over the place, selling products. I got one yeah. product that cleans everything, you know. So uh, I sold insurance. I mean, I did. I did. A, I did a number of jobs before, like at 22, 23, I started dipping my toes into the workshops, and that's it. Once I did that, I was okay. This is what I'm at. And, you um, test positive. I did it. I did at nine, but I just basically oh, wow. got lost. I got drifted and went into other things. And it wasn't until I was twenty-two it came back. And I, but since then, no, there, it's always I've always had my, you know, very much in it. The, how do you separate the business of the industry from your art form? So, if let's mm-hmm. say your pull is acting. How do you separate the business of the industry in terms of being a freelancer or when there's politics involved with agents or on set when there's a hierarchy system or I don't know, like certain things as where I've worked on sets and there's like cruelty involved with like animals or, you know, hierarchy of like that actor has to eat first. This has to be, this is your payment that is, or you need to go to this this event to network with this person in order to get that job okay you don't have this how do you how do you separate the two because sometimes i can't separate that and that destroys my yeah it it, it, it can destroy your love and um you know i i've been on sets and um i've been on a set once where i had a producer say to me why are you sitting with the crew i go because i like the crew i like the i like a couple of these i mean they're human beings yeah I said it with a bit of a twinkle. I didn't sort of judge it, but you know, that's that's kind of you'd be at the canteen, you'd see the hierarchy going in there. You know, just they be there, they be there, and and especially more in American sets, actually. Um, mm-hmm. So you know, there's definitely more of a hierarchy there. Maybe because we have more of an egalitarian, with the, but it still can go on here, I think. But um, yeah, that's distasteful to me. You know, that's um, you know, I don't. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't like that side of it. And the politics side, I mean, you know, you can, you can take. I've seen it. I saw it when I was in LA. I saw guys out there who'd fallen, who, who really their confidence was crushed. They went out there with a dream because it's so, it, be, it was so corporate. Mm-hmm. It was so corporate, and that love, that passion of wanting to perform and play had been taken out of them because it becomes so corporate. You're in there just going for their two lines here or four lines there. And I'd saw these guys in their forties and fifties from the midway and they, their confidence was crushed. It, we could see it was a real Darwinist sort of thing. And um, they'd lost their love for it, but they were still stuck there. They didn't know where to go. They should have gone home maybe. And, 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 and. But um, yeah, you just, the politics side, I, I haven't had any sort of bad experiences recently on that. So I kind of don't, I'm not sort of tarred with that right now, but I do know what you mean. It can get very sort of 
the business aspects, you've got to get the cell tape, boom, you've got to do these, all that kind of running around doing how, how actors, I've got to do the casting workshops, all these stuff, which can be useful, but that was never around when I was younger. And it, what it can do, because there's a monetary mercenary aspect on that sort of stuff, it can maybe take someone's love and passion where you feel maybe it's not pure. Mm -hmm. um, that's why you have to protect yourself. You've got to be reading the classics and everything else and reading. You should be reading a play for an actor, reading a play a week, learning new, going, watching this stuff. That's how you keep in love with it. And going into a group, working with other actors who've got the same philosophy, being around others so you're not just isolated. Because if you, you can get lost in that corporate side and before you know it, your passion's gone. And once that's gone, your work's going to be shit. Mm. You've got, to, you've got to protect yourself, you know? You've really got to protect yourself there. I wanted to ask you in regards to your acting, as some of the work that I saw, and this is just a viewpoint, a lot of it was dark. very in intense and dark. Did you early on, when even you were at drama school, you found out that your unique selling point as an actor was that, or it was just like project after project that did that? Because I think sometimes, as, a, as an ethnic person, sometimes you can get stereotyped into that. Sometimes as a Matthew McConaughey talks about it all the time, there was a period of time in his career where he was just doing rom-com movies and he wanted to experiment. So as somebody who can get stereotyped, be it from the color of their skin to their art form or how they can sit back. And recently I've been feeling like, sometimes when I've done lessons with yourself or in other spaces, Apparently, it relates more when I'm a little bit more somber or a little bit more angry and I'm a little bit more here as opposed to experimenting more with like happiness or quirky little characters. And as an actor, sometimes you just want to play around and clean the playground like you're talking about. Yeah. So going back to the stereotyping, how do you navigate through that? Or do you just find out this is your box? And yeah, no. I mean, listen. I, I, I certainly wouldn't say I can. I just only do it intense work. I mean, that certainly when I came out of drama, I was more attracted to it. I was more drawn to it. It was probably more me. So Under the Skin was a very dark film. It was a very dark character. So, of course, you know when those European directors started coming, and that's what they were looking at. You understood what they they understood what they were wanting. That kind of energy, you know. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, 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 I enjoy playing those happy roles as well and all the, all, all the stuff, the full gamut, you know, not, not being just put into that. But I have to say I was drawn to them. I mean, they're, they're fun to play, the bad guys. They're fun to play. I mean, That's you true. know, they're, they're a lot of fun to play. And um, yeah. you'll find most actors are drawn to them because they're fun to play. But I mean, you know, I definitely like comedy and certainly like... Not just go, certainly now, but when I was younger, I was definitely more drawn to that stuff. I wanted that stuff, you know, yep. so I was getting that stuff. And, um, and I definitely, when I was a younger actor, I was definitely more what I would call a personality actor. I was drawn to a certain kind of thing. Was, as I got I'm much more multidimensional and would not necessarily want to be drawn if I was into just that. I believe you attract what you want, what you give. And, um, you know, there's a certain sort of, if you've got a, a love for a certain kind of work, Mm -hmm. you know, you're drawn to it but I was dark myself I was a dark guy you know when I was younger I, I brought that dark energy in when I was younger you know so it was in me and it fizzed off it was whereas now it's not so it's different would you like to do a rom-com 
Yeah, I wouldn't mind doing a bomb con. As yeah. you say, as I say, you know, my my burning desire in front of the camera is not what it used to be. But I certainly would be open to it, of course. Paid well. Do you, do you feel like you have played or done things that you set out to? Or do you still have that fire where it's like, no, until I reach this point, I'm still going to keep going? Or whether that is acting, directing, being a coach, an all-rounded question. Yeah, I think there's always a drive to do. But as far as the acting, I don't have that big desire to go, right, I want to be doing that, a lead on this Netflix series all the way through. I don't have that. I'm in acceptance with what I've done. And yeah, I mean, if something comes, an opportunity comes, I'll put the work in and do the best I can, right, if I'm around. But my, as I say, my main focus now has been on the actor's grip. And of course, improving myself all the time to be better of service but yeah i love what i do so but i don't have that huge restlessness like i used to what's your vision with the actor script would you like there to be a building would you like it to have like several branches like what would you say your vision your ultimate vision would be from you know that I, don't, I, I, I don't have a big vision big grand plan to get to have this big sort of big sort of you know corporate sort of loads of places all around the world yeah I've seen some of those guys. I've seen some of those coaches. I won't mention any names. And I've seen a couple of these guys. And it's about the money. It's about the money for these guys. Now, I see it. It's about the money. They're jaded. I don't like their work. I mean, you know, you, I, there's a few of these guys around. And you see it. And it beca it's, it's becoming biz. It becomes so about the business. And they, they want to get 25 guys in a class, 30. You know, we're just getting, you can see their hands going like this. And, um, you know, it's... I want I, to, I, I want, to, I, want I, I, mean, I might go a little bit big, I'll delegate, you know, get guys, guys mm -hmm. to cover me, you know, if need be, but I don't want to make it into, you know, one in LA, one in Italy, going around all that. I don't have right now that kind of feel to, to, to be everywhere and be one of those kind of, um, you know, those guys, they're, 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 yeah. no, they're, they're, right. talked, they're all around the world, they're coming we've in. We've talked about one of them. Yeah, there's a few of them out there. There's a few of them out there. So, you know, it's, it's, um, and, um, yeah, I don't have that, um, you know, that world domination feeling of being the sort of the great guru of everybody, right? And my, my, my style's better than yours. No, I, I, I yeah. always mistrust those guys, right? But listen, good luck to them because there's some very good ones. But I don't, I want, I'm quite happy with the size it is, maybe a bit more you know, maybe a few more classes going around separately, but yeah. no, at the moment it's manageable. We'll see. Organically, I need to see how that feels, but right now I'm okay with it. Last questions before we move on to some games. How do you balance being an artist and all that comes with it whilst balancing relationships? And I mean relationships from friendships, to love, to family, how does one balance? It's a tough one. I mean, it's it's a tough one for relationships. If you're talking romantic, for sure. I mean, it's yeah. why it, it's very tough because it's unless the partner really understands. I mean, it's the obsessiveness of going in and going right. I need to be on this and just completely leave me alone. I need to be on this, and it's it's kind of rough unless the person understands. And then when you get two actors together, it can be terrible because you've got insecurities, right? They're mm. insecurities and they're pushing each other's buttons and it can be, all, and then sometimes it can work. I mean, of course, 
I think you just got to be able to take your time out and have some compassion to who you're with and spend that time with them and just let them understand and be communicative and just go, okay. But it's not easy. I mean, don't ask me. I'm not the, um, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I've, I've not been hugely successful in all my relationships, you know, they've been, um, so I'm not, I'm not the guy to ask. But would you give an advice? So I, I don't know if you know, but, um, I'm a massive fan of Marina Abramovich. Yes. You know, Marina, Abr yes, Marina, Marina Abramovich always talks about after her first uh, relationship with, oh, my God, what was the guy's name? Ole? Yeah, um, yeah, that, 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 yeah. That wonderful bit where they hadn't seen each other for years. That, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But she always talks about, she says this, that after they divorced and they separated and they did that piece where they're sitting across from the table, she says that never fall in love with an artist. Like never. So, would your advice be to stay away from people? Like, I've made a conscious decision to not be some with somebody in the arts. Well, it's it's it can be very painful because yeah. my experience of it is, I mean, you you know, under, to have an artistic temperament, there needs a self. There's a selfishness. Mm. There's a selfishness, and if you've got two artistic temperaments fully on the same thing, buttons are going to get pushed. It's going to be very, it can be very, my experience is it, it's beautiful. It can be incredibly romantic and, and, and just beautiful, but painful. Yeah. Because you're mirroring each other. You're mirroring each other. All those defects of character, all those stuffs are mirroring. And it's, it's, it's very hard to get two similars, I think. Got it. If I look at some of the actors of uh, some of the actors who've had successful relationships with other actors or artists, it's normally because one's taken the back seat mm. and gone, okay, well, I'm going to sort of put it on you, and I'm going to be okay with it. It's they, the ones who are still. It's tough. I mean, it may last two years, three years, four years, but that brings a load of insecurity in it as well. I mean, it's it's uh, it's it, it can be tough, but it's also highly addictive, because the charge is so powerful that. When you're talking about a civilian or a terrible thing, you know it seems it, it seems slightly flat and safe. Yeah. And if you're a masochistic like I am, right? You know, who's got a slightly, um, you know, that's where the problem lies. You've got to. Um, but no, for your peace of mind, maybe it is better for some if you can find someone who maybe has an artistic temperament but not fully in the game. They've kind of gone in there and they're sort of hard. a gardener. Potentially, yeah. A pottery, pottery person, a painter. Potentially, yeah. Um, <laughs> basically, one who just complies and goes, "Yeah, just do." Or a, or a chef. A chef can be very temperamental. They're they're probably as temperamental as anyone I know. Uh, I was going to say they'll keep you feeding. They'll keep you feeding. Yeah, I mean, listen, I I, I think it's a very tough one. You know, when you're Got dealing it. with someone in the same business. Very true. Are you ready to play some games? Ne never ready for games. Let's have it. Okay. Go on. Make sure, make sure your improvisation situations are ready because there's going to be a testing of that as well. Um, oh, dear me. I start off very easy. So the game section of this entire situation is called... Super Child, play with Rai. If you want to play, you play with Rai. Or if you want to sip your chai and you don't want to play, you hopefully won't sip. But you will do it. I'll start you off easy. All right. 
So I will say if I was, and I give you a scenario, you just tell me if you were that, what that would be. So if I was to say, if I were a color, what color would you be? And you just say, I don't know, purple. I'm not saying that's your color, but that's what you would be. Are you ready? Yeah. So if I was a movie, what would the title of that movie be? Midnight Cowboy. Midnight Cow, I can see that. I can very much see. Did you spend the time in the southern region of America? Because I don't know why I feel like that. Yeah, I spent a bit of time over there, yeah. All right. What would the storyline of Midnight Cowboy be? A drifter who's a basically drifter. just sitting in cafes, watching people with, yeah. a, with, with, with a Tolstoy book and just basically having a cup of tea with no troubles in the world. Just basically, no one bothering me. I'm just watching people and talking to people when I want to talk to them and being talked to. Okay, this sounds like a very indie, like black and white maybe I'm feeling, but I'm here for it. Who would star in this movie? You, of course. Me, I'd play, wow, wow. <laughs> That's, okay. That's an, immense, that's an immense pressure. I don't know if I'm ready for that. Um, let's say this movie has a theme tune, a title song, like a James Bond situation. What would the title song of this movie be? It would be. It would be. An, it would be seventies, like a Bobby Womack type track. Track. Okay, I'm not familiar with Bobby. Okay, seventies funk soul, a kind of Bobby Womack kind of. Bobby I will listen. I will listen to Bobby Womack after this. If you were a color, what would you be? Blue. If you were a food, what would you be? Red meat steak. Okay. If you, I don't know why I thought you were vegan, Daniel. Well, I kind of am. But if you ask me what kind of meat I am, but I, 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 Got I, it. I'm, I'm not vegan. I, I, I do eat mostly vegetarian food. Got it. If you were a holiday destination, what would you be? I'd say, I'd say, I'd say the mountain regions of Spain. Okay. Ooh, that's and, nice. Andalusia, around there. Yeah. I don't know why that, that just reminded me of this line in Friends when he's talking about the Mount Pepperday booth, if you, if you watch Friends. Yeah, no, I haven't watched it for a long time. <laughs> They're doing a reunion. Are you going to watch it? I'm not sure. Oh, you should. It, I watched the trailer of it. I wasn't sure as well, but it looks nice. It looks nostalgic. If you were, it, it's going to be nice, and I think it's going to be the most streamed, most play thing ever. If you were a drink, what would you be? A Jack Daniels. Jack, oh, not. Are you a whiskey man like myself as well? I, I, I love, love the bourbon, yeah. Uh, if you were a book, what would the title of that book be? Solitude and Love. Wow. That, wow. This section is called Best and Worst, okay? So you will just name it and then tell me. Best and Worst audition that you have had. Oh, um, the best one was probably Under the Skin. Okay. How was the audition for that? Well, you know, the role I went up for, they gave to Stuart Townsend because it was political, right? Okay. You know, it was political, you know, yeah. so they'd already made that thing. So I got, a, I got one of the other roles, but I, I just, um, I went in there, I put all my balls on the line, really. I just went in there and just was totally on it, you know, just really enjoyed it. Just, it was a lot of fun. What? Worst. Oh, too many to mention. Come on, your top three. There's so many. I feel like commercial. Oh, I went, I went, to, I went, to, I went to one in LA, right? So I'm basically, I'm basically, you've got all the studio guys there, right? Yeah. All of them there, all the suits down there. And my agent gave me the script sides the night before, right? Yeah. So the night before, I've got a flatmate. I've got, the, I've got a, a row, a fight going on next door. I've got 
I can't sleep. It's crazy. I've got, yeah. the, I've got the script. I sh I've gone in there and totally fucking froze, right, in front of them all. And totally froze. And I just could feel the room just go. It was humiliating. It was Second or third? Oh. What, what audition ways or? Uh, yeah, where were you in this process? Because studio had to come around like that. Yeah, no, I was, I was in my, I was on, I was on the um, third. I was on the third. Okay. But I got the script sides the night before, right, of this new one. I should have just said, listen, why didn't I get those? Why didn't I get those like a few days beforehand? I could have put it back, actually. Yeah. Um, best and worst advice you have ever gotten? There's a number of things. I mean, it's a hard one. I mean, where, where, where your cloak loose in life wear your cloak loose in life don't take everything so seriously that's the best or the worst advice best advice, best okay. advice. and the <clears throat> worst the worst advice god so many do drink drugs and win the lottery and you'll be the happiest man alive the worst advice possible. Who said that to oh, you? Oh, too many of these. I mean, listen, that's a common denominator. With they think that's what's going to make them happy. They, they win the lottery and they're going to go in and it's going to be yeah. no check on their appetites. And they're gonna, it, it's, it's, they, these guys die um, very unhappy. Best and worst piece of work you have ever been in? The best and worst. It's hard to say the best. Um, worst... Um, what you want to be politically correct yeah yeah i can't it's, there's too many um there's been a few there's been a few there's been a few it's, it's maybe hard. maybe you can name the year you did this project in, oh, I, did a play, I did a play i did a play when i came out of thingy bob it was a the director was a it was a fucking nightmare you know she she she'd come out of oxford and she was just very insecure very controlling very micro yeah. i wasn't the easiest one to work with but just me and her it was fireworks you know, and, um, you know, just it was so micromanaged. It took all the life out of the production and we were at butting heads. It was just an unhappy experience. And the, um, the lead actress had halitosis and um, the lead act the other actor had had It was all, everything about it. There was a stench about the production that just... Uh, was no. And the best piece of work you've ever been in? I think, I think, I think there's a... <laughs> That year I'm talking about, I think with with the with the hair with the hair, hair lines, the castles made of sand, and the um, deadly flames. I think that year was my best work. It was all very different work. I think I can't say which one particularly, but those three certainly the most best, fun. <laughs> best and worst piece of work you have ever seen. Best piece of work I've ever seen. What theatre or film? Uh, anything. The best piece of work. That's such a hard one. Uh, what I've ever seen. Mm. Ooh. Three. Okay, I'll give you three. Okay. Okay. Um, Iceman Cometh with Kevin Spacey was, 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 was unbelievable. Um, okay. Was unbelievable. Oh, dear. God, so much. While you've done film, maybe do like TV and stage. Well, I did stage. I mean, I mean, um, Iceman comes to stage. Um, oh, I thought it was a film. Sorry. Okay, best bit of film I've seen. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. <sighs> Ooh, it's such a tough one. It's such a tough one. I mean, you know, there's so many good ones to actually say my favorite. 
Mm. One of your favorites. That's Godfather. I think The Godfather was the best film. One of the best I films I've ever seen. I have never seen it until this day. It's a, it's a classic. It's a, it's a it's an obvious one, but it's a classic. I mean, if you, it's it's, it's and so we've done stage, we've done film, TV, and TV. TV. I don't watch much TV. So, but the best TV, streaming. Oh dear me, the best TV. Um, God, I love Brideshead Revisited. Okay. You know, very different to those other two things I saw, but very. You know, I thought that was a beautiful bit of work. Um, I thought it was very, very well done. You know? Any worst you'd care to mention? Oh, too much. I mean, where'd you start? <laughs> any, 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 any? Well, I've got, I, I got to be careful there, you know, because some of it's still, some, some of it's out there, right? And um, yeah, yeah. I mean, God, where'd you start? There's a lot of you it can, out there. You can sip your, you can sip your chai for that, then. You can sip your tea for that. Yeah, I'll just choke on it. I'll just choke on it while I think about it. You, you, I'm, I'm getting in a bad mood just thinking about it. No worries. Best and worst critical review or review that you've ever had about your work. God, I had a terrible review on this, on this Canadian play I did. Yeah. Um, it said it, it, it was, it was, and I, I was self-conscious and self-indulgent at the time, and. Um, goes you know it started off so well when he came out with his underwear right but then <laughs> that was just, the review yeah yeah but 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 then his self-conscious brooding against the thing he bought it, 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 it completely fucking went into me right and you know for good reasons so um um and i won't i won't go into the good ones it's too, um, i've had some good ones as well you know any any one that sticks out maybe just one or a tagline from that review? Well, I've, I've, I mean, you know, what film or stage? Any, any. I mean, I've had some, I've had some, I've had some. You know, you see, I stopped reading reviews actually um, yes. quite a bit of time ago because I realised you give your power away on that stuff, and, you, and once you're in it, if you're on a production, you're in it, it can make you terribly. Um, it can really affect you, and it can affect your performance, and it can really. So I, what, I I'd read it maybe a year later when the plate had gone cold, right? And I learned to discipline myself, but I did go back on some of my reviews. And of course you get actors going, you've got a great review on this one, you've got a really good review, and of course, oh, okay, I'll have a little look on this one, then why, why not? So I would sneak, you know, I would break yeah. it occasionally. But yeah, I got some good ones for Deadly Famous. I've got good ones for, I mean, you know, Four Dogs and a Bone, the Shandy play. I mean, the number of things I've done, you know? Do you remember your first More so recently, more so recently. Oh, wow. after because of all the stuff we're talking about, being of service, yeah. being less combustible, you know, just more, I think that helped my work, you know. And lastly, best and worst wardrobe you've ever had? The worst wardrobe was a leopard skin G-string, right? Was, uh, that, was that the the one that you just mentioned where you had- Well, I came on, it was the last take, right, in Deadly Famous where I had to wear a kimono, right? I was wearing a leopard skin G-string and I was kind of torturing somebody. So I'm in there doing a little dance, right? Hello, darling. Weird, with, with, with the whole, the whole um, clown's mask on. Right? Okay. But, but the leopard skin G-string was about a size too small. So, you know, it, 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 was, it, was, it was comedy, yeah? <coughs> People go find it, please, and tag Daniel on it if you can. Watch it's, it's, it's a really kind of dark film. It's a very, um, yeah, pretty sick. Yeah. Oh. Um, underrated and overrated. Most underrated piece of theatre and overrated piece of theatre. 
<laughs> you know, I'm know not. I'm not, I'm not a big. I'm not a big fan of the big musicals. I mean, I'm not a big fan of oh, really? some, of those, some. Some of them I am. Some of them I not. Yeah. You know, it's it's um. Some of those kind of really commercial West End productions, I think, are overrated. They're just you can see the commerce, and I get bored really, very much so on some of those. I find I find it uh, a little too sanitized for me. So I think that's overrated, even though they get lots of people coming in. Underrated. Um, God, there's too much to me. I've seen some great plays that never saw the light of day. They didn't really get good reviews. Any mention on because any there's of too them? many. I, I must say, you're being very diplomatic right now. Very diplomatic. I, I'd like some sauciness here. You want um, a bit of gossip, don't you? you I, want a bit everybody of... does. Who doesn't? Yes. Our most underrated and overrated piece of film. Um, overrated piece of film. God, any of those, any of those, um, Brooke, uh, uh, what's that guy's name? That, that, um, Oh, that, um, that, that Michael Bay films, the Michael Bay films, right? <gasps> yeah, those, Daniel. those, those kind Daniel. Of films. Yeah, I want to be in one of those films. Yeah, no, they're, they're probably fun to be on, but yeah, that kind of stuff doesn't really rattle my cage. And underrated films, I love, I love the fast bender films. Go you ahead. know, those kind of very kind. They're, I don't know if they're underrated because they're not, but they don't get as commercially seen, or they haven't been as commercially seen as some of those obvious kind of rom-com type films. But yeah, those rom-com kind of commercial kind of film, the real obvious ones I, 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 yeah. make me puke. Um, you know, unless they're really well done, I, I, I steer well clear of them. Lastly, most overrated and underrated actor. Oh God, you really want some gossip, don't you? Everybody um, oh dear me, overrated. There's loads of overrated ones. Um, Care to mention one? God almighty. Some of them have got better because you just get better over the years, right? So um, yeah. they started off terrible. I mean, you look at, um, I mean, God, there's too many to mention. I mean, Can it's... I say, this is taking me back to this, um, this interview you did for, what is it, Skewed and Reviewed, where you get asked, know any child stars that have gone little off the rails? And you says, I do, but I'll be discreet for this one, though. And I just, I just want some, some, you know. Okay, an overrated, an overrated actor, right? Okay. Overrated actor. Oh. <laughs> God, there's so many. Um, some of them get their paycheck confused with their talent, you see. Um, but, you know, there's a lot of good ones out there, a lot of great ones. So what's the other question? Um, we'll move on. We'll move on. I am so sorry to interrupt again, but we were just doing the section which is called Sip a Chai and Play with Rye. And in the game sections of the show, there are some segments which are visual, so it would not have made sense on podcast form. So if you would like to watch any of the visuals <laughs> or the video, simply go to YouTube and just type in Chai with Rye to find the relevant episode. Also, I will link everything in the bio or the description below. But without further ado, let's get back to the end of the show. If you were to look in the mirror today, what words of wisdom would you give to your mirror self today? Or words just in general, of, you know, to your mirror self? Don't, don't stress. Don't take life so seriously. Keep it, simple. Keep it simple. Do you take life seriously? Sometimes, yeah. Yeah. I would think that you'll be a very, very, from just like talking to you, I would, you just have a very free spirited life energy about you 
that's yeah. interesting. No, I do, I do, I do generally. I mean, I try and keep things simple. I think that's the key to a, to a good life is keeping it simple. Don't mm. be cluttered with things. Don't be cluttered with, with it's all that stuff that will bring you down. Just keep it simple. You don't need all these things. You know, that will bog you down and weigh you down. And just, um, that's, that's what I've learned. Peaks and valleys is a question I always ask each guest, which is, a peak is the highest point of your personal, professional life. What was it and what lesson you learned from it? And a valley is a low point of your personal, professional life. What was it and what lesson you learned from it? <clears throat> well, you learn more from the, the, the defeats, I think, than the, than the, than the, the wins. But, um, I mean, there's been many down points for me, many low points. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, coming back after a four day bender and realizing and realizing and hearing the birds tweet and realizing I'm living pipe dreams here, mm -hmm. you know, all, all of it's gone. You know, I'm in, I'm in a shabby basement here. Where's the career gone? Everything's gone. What's the purpose? I'm, I'm basically living a very small world. And I was drowning. And then I sort of snapped. And then I changed things after that. That was after years of having a, loads of these kind of moments. So, yeah, that was a low point. So that, that bleeds in professionally, personally. You know, I was, I, was ready to, I was ready maybe to kill myself. You know? That's what it was. I was in a very dark place, you know. I was definitely spiritually gone, you know, mentally gone. I was in a prison in my head, you know. So high points. I think the high point, one of the high points was that year I'm talking about with the three yeah. films because it was so freeing. I had no prep. I just did what I loved and I didn't, I turned, it, it was not about the dough. It was just about the work and just that. I felt uncluttered, completely uncluttered. There was no stress for me. I, I was that certainly I don't think it's one particular moment it's hard to say one particular moment what did both of those experiences teach you in terms of um yeah just a perspective of life just do what you love yeah do what you love um don't get caught up in everybody else's expectation and um you know, when you're, when you're, if you're desiring everything and it's all in front of you, you're going to be unhappy. You've got to just have what's in, okay, you've got to be working towards stuff, but you've got to be doing what makes you tick and makes you happy and keeping those good habits. I think it's those simple things and just appreciating and smelling the roses on the way and things will come. People, things, it's those little moments. Uh -huh. The little, little, meeting somebody in a coffee shop you haven't met before, you just go, wow, you get those or whatever. It, it could come from anywhere. Nice. Any future projects or things that you would like to talk about and promote, um, guys, where everybody can find you and things like that? Well, you know, I, I as I said, I um, took three years out of the acting. I mean, as I said, I've got the actor's crib going, but I, I, I've got three episodes on a, on a TV show. I auditioned for something a couple of weeks ago, so I'm back in now, now having had three years off. So, you know, I, um, yeah, I've got a, I've got a role on this this tv show coming up so that starts in june um but and it won't take too much time which is great um uh, so and projects i keep growing with the actors crib you know doing the courses i really enjoyed the master class it took a lot out of me it took a lot out of everyone else everyone was exhausted yeah. afterwards but um so yeah that's that's it and I, that's that well guys um and last question what's your favorite chai aka what's your favorite tea to have 
Oh man, you, I like I love fresh peppermint tea, like okay. fresh Moroccan peppermint tea. Ooh. Really love that. Uh, but I love tea. I love coffee okay. as well. So yeah, coffee or tea? I'm actually more of a coffee drinker actually. Ah, because I've got a caffeine habit. You know, so um, I need that buzz. I need I need I need those motor neurons to be charged and buzzed and kind of. You know, that comes back to old behavior. You know, I need to be sparked up. Well, that brings us to an end and I hope you enjoyed that episode. And if you did so, make sure to subscribe, follow and spread the love. Share this with a friend, an auntie, your nephew, your niece, that creep or that neighbor. You know the one I'm talking about. Your support really helps the show and the message of it grow. By the way, if I haven't said this before, to watch any of the previous or this very episode's video, simply go to my Instagram at rhymeitfum. That's R-A-I-M-U-I-T-F-U-M and scroll through my IGTV. I hope you have had an amazing day or night if you're listening to this before sleeping. I'm wishing you all love and light. And as I always say, breathe in, breathe out. Namaskar. <laughs> Meaning now I must go. That's copyrighted. I own it. And I will see you saying but for real thank you so much for tuning in it's been my pleasure stay curious and until next time